Welcome to TechBytes.nz, Tech and Leadership Talks with Two Hands. I'm Craig Young, CEO, and this week we're talking with Jason Paris, the CEO of Vodafone New Zealand, one year on from the initial COVID lockdown in New Zealand. Right, kia ora, and uh, welcome, Jason. It's great to have you here. Kia ora. One year on Morena. since we last talked. Yeah. Um, before we get into the serious stuff, let's just start with the Warriors, shall we? Shall we get that out of the way? Yeah, I know you're going to say This is the Vodafone Warriors year. Woo! Like, uh, what a comeback. Best ever. Look, I, in all seriousness, I think uh, I'd love us to get in the top eight. Top four would be huge. And um, I think the the squad that the team is uh, building, um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek's exit next year aside, because he is just an incredible leader, uh, means I think you know in the next couple of years we'll be we'll be uh, gunning for a title. Yeah. All right. I'll let you have that. Thank you. All right. Well, look. Thanks for joining us today. Um, it is actually almost exactly a year since we started talking right at the very beginning of the level four lockdown last year, which was. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty timely that we got back together and we relaunched TechBytes. So how do you think you've um, coped with the t- past 12 months? And and what about the organisation as well? Well, I think the organisation's coped brilliantly. I'm not sure I have. I, I think I got better uh, throughout the year, like a good wine. Um, <laughs> the uh, first lockdown, uh, you know, I don't think anyone knew uh, how to navigate through something like this because we'd never faced anything like that before. And so I probably got a little bit little bit wrong where you know it was relentless I, had, I felt like I had to be across everything worked long hours didn't exercise didn't spend as much time with my family um, we did a really good job of putting customers and my team first but I forgot about my family and I forgot about myself and so um, that wasn't great and then to be honest it was the day of uh, coming out of level four lockdown that I reflected that I might have got it a little bit wrong and all these hours I was working did it make the boat go faster or did it make the boat go slower? And so yeah. I've done a much better job personally over the um, over the next nine months of uh, playing a more productive role and uh, helping the organisation lead through it, helping my team lead through it, helping our customers. But look, I know just from Vodafone's perspective, Craig, I think the industry did a tremendous job. You know, um, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, Vocus, Chorus, Enable, UFF. I think we're one of the few industries to come together without being asked and make commitments to New Zealand up front about, you know, free upgrades to Unlimited, trying to give rural communities more data, um, saying we weren't going to disconnect anyone for late payments, not, 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 not um, charge any late payment fees. All of those things when, you know, connectivity has become essential for uh, for running your business, but also for learning and working from home. I'm really proud of how we've come through it. And I think another good example of the telecommunications industry being a, uh, you know, a pretty positive and important part of Aotearoa. Yeah, cool. Hey, look, I'll just expand on that a little bit. One of the things I've found traveling around is... Uh, you know, if you live and work in Auckland, you've been through a number of level three lockdowns as well, but the rest of the country hasn't. Have you felt that tension a little bit inside your organisation or has it been pretty clear? No, it's been pretty clear. You know, so um, no, we haven't we haven't found a, uh, a tension based on Auckland going into lockdown or not. You know, if you think or different parts of, uh, 
of New Zealand face different crises at different points in time. So Auckland went into lockdown. You know, the Christchurch had that awful massacre. Um, you know, so unfortunately, uh, different parts of uh, the country, and because we are, you know, a national organisation with um, team members right across right across the country, get impacted. So we're pretty resilient, and we support each other. Um, so yeah, it was pretty. It was yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't a big issue for us. Yeah, cool. Hey, look, I think you started on this, but because you talked about it in the first conversation, the first bit of the conversation, but is there anything else that you changed as a leader as a result of your experience in the last 12 months? Yeah, probably a couple of things. Um, one, uh, we're trying to, and it's not always, I'm trying to get decision-making uh, closer to the customer and closer to where it needs to be within the organisation. Historically, um, corporates, especially in times of uncertainty, have battened down the hatches and tried to become, you know, maybe become more hierarchical. Mm. I think actually what this has shown me is you need to be less hierarchical and you need to force decision making closer to where the action is, where the customers are. We um, we've embraced a framework uh, from Amazon called two-way or one-way door decision making, and what it basically means is. Most decisions that you make in the business every day are two-way doors. If you get it wrong, you can quickly pivot or change. Um, very few are one-way where, you know, they are fundamentally fundamental commitments for the next five or 10 years. And because of that, I think it's allowed us to not sweat decisions as, as much, not have uh, uh, to be able to empower our people to make some calls, to take some risk, to have a crack. Um, and so as a leader trying to, uh, empower the organisation more has um, has been has been really important, and then the other part of being a leader is you know just underline communication and how important it is. You know, technology is awesome, but just mm. you can't beat people. Mm. You can't be having conversations. You can't be uh, you can't be being visible. And if you think you've said it enough, you need a three. You need to triple it and say it three more times. Consistency of communication is uh, is one of those key things in times of crisis that often gets forgotten, but is probably one of the most important elements as a leader. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Hey, look, just pick up on that uh, technology side of things. You know, a lot of conversations I'm hearing, and, and I've been talking to quite a few CIOs in the last couple of months, is that there's a big chunk of them that felt rushed last year in, in terms of implementing technology to cope with the environment. I don't know how Vodafone went. You might want to talk about that. And, and this year, they just sort of want to take a breath. I mean, are you, are you feeling that and sort of wanting things to stop for a little while? <laughs> my team would say yes but, but and that I'm relentless I have I'm just like I feel so privileged to be in this organization at this time I have massive ambition uh we have massive ambition and um I'm sure the team would like to take a break but I'm going come on guys this is our opportunity to do even more you know more impressive great things for New Zealanders like I did there's you definitely need to have a break every now and then but I think um you can sequence those pauses across parts of your organization. So momentum continues. Your whole organization doesn't need to take a break. Just some parts of the business need to take a break periodically. But I think if you get the combination right, you can keep the level of ambition. I heard we've got a lot of banks that we work with. And one of the banks that we work with um, uh, before COVID hit, so this would have been you know, 12 months ago, February last year, they were looking at implementing Microsoft Teams in their organization and they had a proposal from uh, I think the technology team that it was a two-year program it's going to cost millions of dollars to do it and then COVID hit and they did it in 10 days yeah 
that's incredible, right? Something that we previously thought would take a couple of years to roll out and implement into an organisation is now a technology that was embraced and uh, and now being used within 10 days within a bank, which is yep. not massively known for risk-taking and fast-paced. Um, so I thought that was super, super impressive. So for me, no way. I don't, I don't want to take a breath. I think this is a massive opportunity for this country. Uh, I think we can become a digital leader um, in the world with, um, with uh, the position that we're in. And I just wouldn't want to miss that opportunity. Did you, were you one of those that was Vodafone one of those ones as well that, that teams suddenly became so important that you had to roll it out quicker? Or, but you were, you were reasonably mobile anyway, weren't you? Yeah, no, we, um, uh, actually the thing for us was consolidating. We had Zoom, Teams, WebEx, um, and we chose Teams uh, because it's the product that we partner with Microsoft to sell. It's the one that we, uh, we sell to our customers um, and we know really well. And so that's the, that's the one that we've prioritised as our, uh, as our um, video conference of choice. But we use WebEx and Zoom as we need to um, at the same time. But you're right, Craig. We were already a very um, flexible working uh, organisation. Um, before I started a couple of years ago, you know, we were very modern in terms of, in terms of that, uh, that position. So when COVID hit, we were able to adapt really, really quickly. Um, and it wasn't too different for us in terms of ways of working, to be honest. Yeah, yeah you, just, you talked about um, partnering with Microsoft. There was uh, an announcement by another telco. Well, we won't call them a telco anymore, really, uh, that a third of their revenue was coming from managed services, which is the cloud productive space. Are you seeing that yourselves as well? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think uh, we see it as a massive opportunity. So the, the role that um, we can play within Aotearoa is growing uh, beyond core connectivity. Um, we are late to the party in a couple of areas, so but it creates a huge strategic opportunity for us. So, for example, cloud would be a, an area where um, uh, other players in the industry have made acquisitions, which uh, I would I would view now as legacy and old school technology. Mm. So if you're in a private cloud environment or on-premise, you are behind the times, you need to move to a public or hybrid cloud solution. And, um, and because we didn't place any bets seven years ago, it creates a huge opportunity for us to disrupt and grow really quickly with people like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, um, one of our owners is Infratil. Um, they uh, are a majority shareholder in CDC, which is Australasia's leading mm. cloud provider. So I'm really excited uh, about our um, expansion into cloud security contact center IoT as, uh, as, well, as well, Craig. But because we haven't got a legacy technology burden, um, we, th we think that's even more exciting. I don't say... It's one of the things I've said to a lot of um, businesses over COVID, actually. Uh, you know, this the technology transformation, um, A, the first thing I say to them is, don't worry about the technology itself. Just focus on what you want the technology to deliver for you. So don't, yeah. get, don't get caught up in ADSL, BDSL, 
fiber 50, 100, hyperfiber, 4G, 5G, just talk about resilience, security, speed, like what do you want? So that's one. And then the other thing is don't feel that you, because you uh, have a legacy technology stack or that you haven't modernized as fast as your competitors that you are now behind the times, you actually now have a competitive advantage. Because uh, technology has changed so much over the last five or seven years, if you haven't placed a bet, uh, you haven't wedded yourself to legacy old world technology, and you actually have a huge opportunity to take an our lower cost, cloud enabled, off the shelf, pre-customized mm. uh, technology solution for your um, for your business, whether you're you've got ten thousand employees or you've got five. So um, huge opportunity, I think that that COVID and and this technology wave has created for businesses. Yeah, you mentioned CDC. They they in this you know halfway through last year they made an announcement they were going to build uh, a data center here in New Zealand. So that's a, a positive. Um, just it would be remiss of me not to ask you about your five G plans, and uh, a little bit uh, just as I've watched where you've made announcements, you are you do seem to be quite interested in regional play as well with five G. Yeah, well, we were really proud. Um... You know, uh, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Queenstown for 5G. Uh, we still maintain 5G, clear 5G leadership in New Zealand, um, which is great. Uh, and now we're uh, not just continuing to roll out 5G in those, uh, in those main cities. We also see there's an opportunity to, um, to roll it out in regions. Uh, the regions we've chosen uh, where we think uh, we have the biggest commercial opportunity, um, either from a consumer or from a business perspective. So um, Manawatu, Bay of Plenty uh, are the areas that we've identified first. Uh, as a good Southland boy, I'm trying to convince my network team that that should be higher up the list. I was going to uh, ask you about that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, you'll see us roll that out really, really quickly. You know, the, the, again, the beauty of being owned by Infratil and Brookfield is that we are not capital constrained. We were, as we had that you know, ownership uncertainty for five or seven years, uh, we didn't have the ability to do what the team wanted to. Now, um, you know, we're, we're putting our foot down on, on 5G. We know, we know it's 10 times faster than 4G, and we know when you provide uh, businesses and developers a platform uh, which is, you know, uh, lower latency, higher speeds, uh, has greater feature sets like dedicated, secure networks. Um, when you combine it with fiber, when you com combine it with IoT applications, it can transform lives and businesses. Uh, we're committed to it, and um, and it's exciting. It is exciting. Okay, so we've talked about that cloud space. We've talked about 5G. What else is next for Vodafone? I mean, what other things are you thinking that you'll be bringing in in the next few years? Well, yeah. well, like, well, talk I, specifically I, about Vodafone first, yeah. Yeah, look, I think um, we're kind of breaking our strategy into a couple of phases. So clearly we want to play a, a greater role within New Zealand uh, businesses' lives and New Zealanders' lives. But to do that, Craig, you've got to earn the right. And um, no one is going to trust you to, you know, um, automate or digitise their business or track their pets or, um, uh, or automate their home if you can't, if last month's broadband bill was wrong and the plan change didn't happen and it's taking me half an hour to get through to someone on a call centre and then I can't understand what they're saying and the, and the change, all that stuff. So phase one for us is getting our backyard in order and our backyard in order means uh, turning up uh, brilliantly from a customer service perspective. And so we're making a series of investments, onshoring 
all of our business call centers, onshoring the majority of our consumer call centers, digitizing, automating, simplifying the business to remove all of those pain points that our customers have experienced at times. So I'm really proud that we've got our best ever customer service that we've had since records began at Vodafone, but that's at parity with everyone else in the market and we want to we want to be a market leader. So that's phase one. And then our view is if we can be the best telco in New Zealand, that gives us uh, the opportunity to play a greater role as a digital services aggregator and curator. All the product innovation, I think, will come from overseas. I don't... Um, I don't believe, unlike others in the market, that you can uh, develop products from within. I think they'll come from the Netflix of this world, from the Amazon of this world, from the Microsoft of this world, from the Spotify's of this world, building your own products. Therefore, you need to be a great partner for those over-the-top uh, product innovators, and then you need to create, curate and aggregate those. So I think we'll become a digital services curator and aggregator over the next two or three years based on being the best telco um, first. That's mm. how, that's my view. Mm, okay. Yeah, good. Well, let's expand that out a little bit further. I mean, you are a, a, obviously the CEO of one of the biggest companies in New Zealand. You've got a leadership position. Um, what about Aotearoa? What, what are the big things that we should be doing and getting involved with? If And, and I suppose it comes back to, if I'm going to be selfish, is, you know, Two ends wants New Zealand to be in the top ten countries for digital readiness by 2030. So, what what should we be doing to get there? Uh, I think you have to start at your base level of infrastructure, and um, and I've been saying to government that um, lots of government government's policy on infrastructure has been bricks and mortar, which I think is old school infrastructure thinking, and it hasn't been about digital infrastructure. Uh, I'd give a big tick on uh, fibre. And I think, you know, it's a, that's a, been a fantastic initiative and an investment. But we need to do the same, the same thing uh, on 5G. Uh, you're seeing um, uh, mobile operators all around the world and in this country ready to invest uh, to accelerate 5G infrastructure and get that connectivity into communities that need it the most faster than they otherwise would have been able to. So um, I think that's... One, a really important, a really important point. And then the other part of once you build that infrastructure, how do you make sure that it's accessible to those that need it? And I am really genuinely worried about the digital divide increasing in, in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, you know, we need to we've we've got a, a Vodafone Foundation, we invest two million dollars a year in halving the number of disadvantaged youth in New Zealand. And one of the key pillars of that is digital equity. So making sure that people don't have to choose between bread and broadband uh, and that when they have that connectivity, they have a device that connect, connect, can connect to it and that they are confident in being able to use that device to its fullest potential. So in 10 years' time, the digital uh, um, transformation hasn't passed them and they're not being left behind when it comes to employment, um, when it comes to being able to compete in a digital, in a, in a, in a digital world. So um, I talk a lot about here about 100% uh, digital Aotearoa. Uh, I think it comes through the, the theme of, you know, foundation of infrastructure, uh, making that infrastructure accessible and then giving New Zealanders, especially those that uh, are most disadvantaged, the confidence and the capability to connect it and to, and to use it. And that's, I think that's our big why, to be honest, Craig, and why I get excited mm. coming into work every day 
is what a privileged position I have got to be in a role like this with this company with this company. And one of the things I definitely want to leave leave uh, Vodafone knowing is that um, uh, we've set Rangatahi up the next generation of New Zealand for digital success. Sorry, that was my. I'll get off my soapbox now. No. You hit a you hit a passion point. No, no. I mean it's um, it's one of ours as well. You know that that inclusivity and and ensuring the diverse. Um, diversity and the way we do things and, and, and not leaving anyone behind. We're not going to get to being in the top 10 countries in the world if we don't do things like that. Look, is there anything else you'd like to finish up with speaking to the people who are going to watch this or listen to this later? Uh, no, I just think you should be really proud. I think what a great job uh, we have done collectively as a nation to navigate through this. Um, uh, I think we've supported each other tremendously, tremendously well. Sure, we could have got some things right, but uh, we often... Uh, we're too harsh on ourselves and focus on the you know the 25% that we got wrong versus the 75% we've got right and what a massive opportunity we've got as a nation moving forward. Let's not waste it. Yeah. Look, look thanks so much, Jason, for spending your time with us. Um, and uh, to those of you that are listening in as well, um, just just uh, for, for next week, we're talking to Gerd Lenhardt, who's a futurist based in Zurich. Oh, wow. And um, we've given him some, we've already given him a heads up on some of the questions around, uh, you know, how he thinks, uh, technology is going to impact humanity, but also what we should be doing in New Zealand. So uh, that should be a good event as well. So um, he's following on from Jason. So um, thank you, Jason, for your time again. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again, if not one year's, in, in one year's time. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, Matiwa. Wa.